0: Agile India 2017 is Asia's largest and premier conference on agile and lean methods. This year's conference will take place in Bangalore starting on Monday, March 6th, where experts and practitioners from around the world will share their experience. For more information, please visit our website, 2017.agileindia.org. Our guest today is Evan Laybourne. Evan is an executive consultant at IBM based out of Singapore. He has over 10 years of business leadership experience specializing in agile business management. He is the author of Directing the Agile Organization, A Lean Approach to Business Management, and speaks regularly at both local and international uh, conferences. Evan, uh, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So uh, it's good to see you again, Evan. I, we've met up with you at uh, previous Agile India conferences, and
1: always good to see you in your three-piece suit. I think I've now been to five Agile India conferences and uh, uh, always with the three-piece suit and uh, always having lots of fun.
2: So, you do have the opportunity to, to go around the world and see these different conferences uh, and different, different Agile communities. Is there anything that stands out about the, the state of Agile and the Agile community in, in India?
1: Oh, I think I've been lucky to see the, the growth of the community. Five years ago, I would have described it as immature. There were pockets of uh, excellence, there were pockets of uh, organizations really being agile, uh, but the vast majority were, were just either getting started or hadn't gone beyond, the basics hadn't gone beyond shoe hadn't gone beyond doing Agile. I think over the last five years, we're seeing more and more organizations really uh, start to adopt the Agile mindset, the mentality, and increase in their ability and their capability um, to be Agile. And so it's, it's over the last five years, seeing that growth has been very interesting, especially compared to others and uh, uh, a lot of the other countries where, uh, and I don't mean America, obviously, but uh, uh, a lot of the other countries are still sitting in a very immature state. What would you
2: just? What would you say is a, the catalyst? I, th- I think that's really interesting how you say they've, uh, you've got a community that's a very vibrant, growing community, but they've made that transition from just you know doing agile into really internalizing it and, and the mindset and. And adopting the mindset, is there certain catalysts that enabled that? And can other communities try and time and success?
1: Time and success. It, it's if it, agile uh, and agile delivery, and we are talking technical agile here, or, or agile in software. Um, if it wasn't successful, then companies would abandon it. Um, but with a little bit of success, there's an, an impetus, there's, a, there's momentum to continue to improve. And uh, a, lot, a lot of what I talk about falls under the domain of sort of business agility. And I talk about how um, organizations, there's a theory of agile constraints. An organization can only be as agile as its least agile part, And in many cases, that's not IT. But with time and success, organizations realize this, and so they start to emerge, or business agility starts to emerge within different organizations, and they, when they're going and they're looking at how they can improve, they start to realize that being agile is where they need to go, where they need to improve, whereas the, uh, the baseline of doing agile, that's been done. They've succeeded at that, and so, um, of course a lot of organizations don't improve beyond that point, but many more do
0: I find that interesting. Cause I you know, I think a, a first step probably when people think about business agility is just agility outside of IT, but you're talking about it going a step further into changing like it's it's a fundamental shift in the way the business is is run and you can't just have little pockets of agility, but the whole business itself has to function differently. Is that Is that what you've seen?
1: Yes, absolutely. And um, companies in India are starting to uh, come to that conclusion Um, in in many ways, in the same way that companies in other countries in in America and in Australia have been coming to that conclusion. It's, if, if an organization can't think in an agile way, then you are fundamentally constrained in your agileness your ability to uh, adapt to market changes, your ability to innovate, because it's, take the budgeting process as an example. Um, If you're being agile with an 18 month uh, monolithic budget that is uh, pre-selecting specific projects to be done, then uh, whilst those projects may be agile and you may use Scrum for that, you're not going to be able to actually capitalize on momentum and movements in the markets in the economy uh, within your clients. So I'm seeing a lot of organizations in India start to realize that yes agility in technology is one part of it but it's got to go well beyond.
2: So how do you you tackle that problem? How do you bring whole-scale business agility? Businesses are complex systems. It's very difficult to Go in and try and have an impact in one specific area uh, when there's actually a a number of different things that happen have to happen simultaneously. So, what do you do about what do you do about that?
1: Oh, there's no single answer. I wish there were. Make my life much easier. Um, And in many regards, we've already solved this problem. Every time a large organization's IT division goes agile, they are Thinking about a complex adaptive system, they're thinking about the interfaces and integration of multiple teams. Um, scaling that across an organization requires nuance. It requires understanding how finance works and how HR works, and it requires understanding the the integration and interfaces between different divisions. But at the same time, that. <sighs> That, uh, that transformational activity is can be self-directed. Organizations and given the right catalyst can actually move in that direction by themselves. Others will bring in coaches and transformational consultants. Others will um, do it slowly, piecemeal, where they'll they'll pick agile outside IT, they'll do agile marketing next and once they get a few more successes, once again the equation of time plus success and we start to see a little bit, a sort of a more organic growth. So there's no one size fits all solution, it depends on the appetite of change for the organisation, the cultural aspects of that organisation and whether Agile is part of their operating DNA or whether Agile is something that is foreign to them that they're trying to learn.
0: I I hear a lot of uh, interesting metaphors like like, their DNA and and Steve Denning talks about Agile being a mindset but these are kind of transient, uh, hard to, you can't hold these things in your hand, you can't just go and, and purchase Agile mindset off the shelf so how does a company get there how do we get how do we get from a to b
1: well okay metaphor and uh and and stories help conceptualize a complex problem so dna and uh and and uh, buying the mindset off the shelf it, it it helps us conceptualize something that's highly complex and and impossible to sort of grok impossible to hold in our head and it gives us the ability to Think we understand it now? Um, as an organisation, it is. We have to go beyond the metaphor. Right? It's a good starting place because it gives us something that we talk about operating DNA. Say, so, ah, oh, I know what that means. No, you don't. All right? You have an idea what an operating DNA might mean, but in your organisation, it is. Uh, there are thousands of employees. There are tens of thousands of moving parts. It, it's when when someone says an exact like the sum is greater. than sorry, the sum is greater than the parts of its whole, Right? so one plus one equals three. In an organization, one plus one plus one plus times a thousand equals not one thousand, equals a hundred thousand, a million. And the number of connections and moving parts in an organization are so complex, so dynamic, that these metaphors help us conceptualize it, but we need to understand that the organization is not the metaphor, and that's what that's actually the problem that has happened in the project management space, for example. We create this operating metaphor of a project. We create this metaphor of a, of, of a simple, single process. And we use that. We apply that. We cook it. Every single time, we apply the same pattern, the same metaphor. And that assumes that the work is the same. Now, if I'm building a bridge after a bridge after a bridge, I can use a very similar pattern. But in most of the work that we're doing, no in the knowledge workspace, applying those patterns, applying those metaphors um, without understanding the fundamental complexity and the nuance in the work that we do starts to break down. Now, not every single human can hold that in the head and this this is where agile organizations thrive because if I have an organization where the leadership is not in the single CEO but is divested into the organization where individuals and teams take ownership and accountability for their work. As a CEO, I don't need to understand how 100,000 people, or 1,000 people, 100,000 connections, I don't need to understand what they're doing. I just need to know that they're pointed in the right direction. The teams, the individuals, they take ownership and accountability of their work they can decide what is the best way of working for them. And so we, we can move away from these platitudes of, uh, uh, and simplifications and actually go, you, your team, self-organizing, maybe even self-managing if you want to go that far, uh, but at least self-organizing, your team of 10, 15 people, 5 people, you know what you need to do. Right? You know the connections, you know the nuance, you know the complexity. Do it. You have an outcome that you need to achieve. Uh, you need to, You know the upstream and downstream teams that you need to connect with. You don't need to know what that team three countries away is, is, is doing because it has negligible impact on you, no more so than a separate company in some cases. And so we have this separation and it allows individuals to take because they know the details, they can be very deep. And the CEO and the CIO and the and the CFO, who who sit at the top, don't need to know what everyone's doing in a very specific sense. They just need to know that there's a a common direction and some and some common principles and governance around that.
2: So you you mentioned something really interesting there. You you mentioned that. We take this concept of a project and it's really a, a metaphor and we, we reapply it over and over and when it might not necessarily be the best place to do so. There might actually be other methods of working. And I, this is a lot of where your work has come in with the the no projects and the no project space, which to me, and and feel free to correct me, my my explanation would be is, you know, it, where our where mindset before has been, let's projectize work uh, and find work and build projects around it. Let's, let's take that on its head and take what traditionally we would think of as these projects and operationalize them and, and find ways to just make them as part of the day-to-day operations of our, of our, our, our companies and, and, and move away from trying to just turn everything to a project. Is that, is that a decent description of no projects?
1: I describe it as the alignment of activities to outcomes measured by value and constrained by working principles. Um, and for me, that description sort of encapsulates the three elements, right? Value, activity, outcomes. We do work an activity that creates a value and that value improves a business outcome. Now that seems, once again, it's a, it's, it's a metaphor, it's something very, very simple. Um, but a project is a temporary endeavor to create a product, service or result. That's the definition. So if we can structure our work so that it's not temporary, because our work isn't temporary anymore. And right? if I'm building a bridge right, from to, to cross a, a river, When that bridge is complete, I I can't add more features, there's no upgrade to that bridge. I can maintain the bridge and I need to maintain the bridge, otherwise the value that has been created will degrade. But the maximum value, once that span is complete and the bridge is painted, the maximum value of that bridge has been created. It is realized every single time someone walks over the bridge. Uh, or a car drives over the bridge, but I can't add features. Someone can't come up with an idea of, oh, hey, how about we do something else? I can, like, okay, it's a metaphor, so yes, we could build a second bridge and whatever else, but realistically, as a metaphor, it, it, it works fairly well. The work that we do is not the same. IT, marketing, HR, finance, there is no doneness Of value we can add more features we can add more capability we can improve the value of the product and if we have a structure that has a continuous improvement of value rather than a temporary stop-start concept that continuous improvement of value is going to well increase the 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 outcome that we achieve now if we align that with things like um, in agile inspect and adapt so sort we're of continuously looking at the work that we do and going, is the work that we're doing continuously adding value? And there isn't, there, there's a natural end of life of a product. Right? Um, that uh, software or marketing campaign is going to naturally end at a particular point. But when we talk about the duration and scale of a project versus a product, they are orders of magnitude different.
0: I, I was thinking about this this concept of a business outcome, and I, I think there's a, a lot of the outcomes we think of are more or less become proxies for profit. But I think you're talking about something different than that, different than just focusing on on uh, quarterly results and and shareholder value and that kind of thing. Um, so can you walk us yeah walk us through a bit more what you mean?
1: There, there's a great quote Sorry. by Frederick Laloux um, uh, in his book. Uh, and I'll paraphrase. Um, profit is like air. We need to breathe in order to live, but we don't live to breathe. And, and that's, I think, quite insightful. As an organization, we need to make profit. We need to survive. We need to be able to pay our bills, pay our staff, and we need to have enough money in the bank, enough capacity to survive the trials and tribulations of business. So when business goes down, all right, we don't have to start laying off staff all the time, um, that there, there's enough money in the bank. Now, so that means that profit is important, but no, perhaps except for, 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 for banks, no organization, they go into business and their business is profit. Their business is manufacturing something. Their business is creating a service or a product, mowing lawns or creating software or building bridges. These businesses are have a rationale, something that they want to do, um, something that is their expertise, their passion. Right? And these are the outcomes we're talking about. Yes, everything needs to make a profit, but that is not what we do. It is just what we need in order to survive. Does that make sense?
0: <laughs> it, it does and I, I think a part of what you're saying about differentiating between value and, and business outcome is is the value is, is being created by the, the actions that we take and building a bridge is creating value but we need to understand how is that connected to some ultimate goal that we're trying to achieve which has all sorts of overlaps with leadership
1: concepts and and changing the way we lead and. Outcomes are very hard. So in the last Agile India, I gave a talk called, um, if you need to start a project, you've already failed. And in that I described what we call an outcome profile, which is a, uh, it's a very simple model to define a business outcome. So what is the outcome, what is the measure, what are the targets, what's the baseline, who owns it, what are the dependencies? Um, And it allows organizations to think about outcomes uh, at an organizational level rather than focus on the thing that is being done. And too often organizations, when when they start, actually let me take a step back. I used to be a project. Ma- I used to be a project manager. I used to write business cases, and in every at project business case, there's a section on benefits. And benefits are wonderful things. And and your finance division is going to give you money for your project based on the business benefits that you say that your project is going to um, create. Now, there's two problems with this. Number one, actually, there's three problems. N- number one, the business The money for that project was allocated 12 months ago in the annual planning cycle. They're going to give you the money. You just need to convince them that they should. And but they've already made the decision, so the bar to actually convince them is very low. Number two, in a project definition, the A project is meant to do something, but the actual realization of those benefits is not the responsibility of the project, which means I can get away with anything. I can say, this project will save 20 million to hollers. I can deliver on time, on budget, and um, on scope. I can deliver a successful project and yet completely fail at delivering the the business benefits, and yet I'm still successful because as a project manager, I have achieved what it was that was... find for me the organization has failed but i have succeeded so there's a dichotomy there the third thing is actually about the benefits themselves because of because the bar is so low and because we already know what we want to do we invent these benefits to try and justify doing what we want to do and so what happens is we, we go all right this application will save two minutes per person per day so therefore that's $2 $2 million a year in productivity, say, no, it's not, all right? Mm-hmm. Like no organization can realize two minutes per person per day, all Right? That is not actually a, a reasonable benefit that can be achieved. Um, likewise, like, uh, sometimes the, be- the, be- the benefits are very clear, we can decommission something, but more often than not, they're just a, a, a line on a piece of paper that never gets actually tracked or never gets realized, Right? The alternative is to actually put it around. Don't start with the what you want to do, right? Don't start with an idea of, hey, we should upgrade this system and it's going to have these benefits. Go, we need to achieve these business outcomes, right? I'm going to fund a team, right, a certain amount of money to achieve these business outcomes. I personally don't care how they do it. Or more accurately, I don't care what they do in order to achieve those outcomes. As long as they comply with certain principles, they don't break the law, they, they play nice with the other teams, they collaborate. Whatever principles we as an organization hold dear, constrain a team's ability to do anything but within those principles, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to say that every month we're going to inspect and adapt we're going to say, if the business outcome is to improve staff um, uh, improve staff uh, satisfaction, we want happy staff. Right? That's this team, happy staff is worth to us a million dollars a year, right? Because of attrition rates and retraining and whatever. So I'm going to pay $500,000 or $100,000 to this team, right? That's what it's worth to me in order to achieve happy staff. In that 100,000 dollars, you've got to pay the salary of the, of the team members. There's some level of, of funds available to do something else. Right? if they need to hire somebody else, or they need to make decisions or buy products or whatever else. But if it's worth hundred, if it's worth a million, I'm not gonna spend a, a, a million, because I could be wrong, right? But I think it's worth a million. I'm gonna spend 10 to 20 to 30% of that. That team, is going to every month we're going to look at the attrition rates, the employee satisfaction surveys, whatever measure we put against staff satisfaction. And that team is going to inspect and adapt. The work that we've done has created value. That value has had a meaningful impact to the outcome or not. If not, then we're doing the wrong work. So let's take a moment to collect, Right? And find what else could we do in order to achieve the business outcome that we're trying to achieve. No project, no temporary endeavor, no product first, but building teams around outcomes and the business results.
2: Uh, so I, I've been a product. Uh, so I've been a project manager as well. I've done the whole project manager body of knowledge thing, and 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 it, I. Understand the appeal of of having well-defined uh, parameters for what needs to be accomplished. You've got scope, time, cost, and you can build plans and track against those uh, track against those plans. I, I like what you're saying. At the end of the day, those are just proxy variables, right? We, you know, we we they're starting out with the assumption that. If we're on time and if we're on, if we hit the requirements and we are um, within the budget, then therefore we'll be successful. But that's not necessarily the case. Uh, what I think maybe that because you can not actually achieve the, you can achieve those three things and not necessarily achieve the business outcome. What's potentially challenging I see though is for. People potentially high up people in the company to to have the hubris to admit that their decisions of what they're planning to fund and and what they're planning to invest in aren't necessarily correct, aren't necessarily going to achieve the business outcomes they want. It's just well, clearly, if if I've made this decision, this is worthwhile. Um, here's the time, budget, and uh, scope, and if you hit that, then you know, therefore. Uh, the business objectives will be achieved. Uh, that's not the case. So how do you, how do you shift the mindset of, of having the sense of
0: fallibility? Of like uh, we have to get away from this great man theory that, yeah, that get people away from the feel great man like theory. they need to show that their own brilliance in an idea, right? And admit that our ideas could be bad and we need to inspect and adapt, like there's a political or a, a, a major shift in the thinking of people. Yeah,
2: because to a certain degree it admits or it's forcing me to open up the possibility I could be wrong about my decision, right? Um, I might not get the the business outcomes I'm, I'm looking for. So what, what's your take on that, Evan? I suppose there's two things. One,
1: we're changing, we're fundamentally changing the operating metaphor. So. Where the operating metaphor is a project, time, cost and scope are our measures. That's what's important to us because we're not, to be honest, we're not funding a benefit. We're not funding an outcome. We're funding a piece of work in the assumption in the assumption that it will achieve a benefit. And so the measure of that benefit, the measure of that outcome happens very late and usually too late to be effective. Now, Agile delivery is helpful in this regard because agile delivery allows um, an organization to um, incrementally deliver a product. Now, the question here is, is the product the right thing to do in the first place? And as you say, it's very hard to have an organization or a senior leader in an organization admit that they were wrong, that it was the wrong product because um, people's uh, self-worth, self-identity, as well as, actual tangible worth um, and their employments are often based on making these right decisions. And so we incentivize appearing right over being right. And, and that's just human nature. So what we do is we just change the entire equation rather than having time, cost, scope as a constraint. All right? And obviously time costs, uh, or, or cost is always a constraint. It's always something that we have a limited, a finite supply of as with time but we move that and we go, this is one constraint. Our team, we're going to fund a team continuously, six people, $100,000 a year right? For, for the rest of eternity, or at least until such time as the outcome that this team is accountable for um, is no longer meaningful. And so it stops being a matter of Leaders making the wrong decision. We're not and and when we're transitioning to this kind of model It's not about you've made a wrong decision. It's about We're going to change the way that you work at a very Fundamental level so we're not just changing. We're not not saying you're doing the wrong thing not saying you're doing it in the wrong way We're just saying that we're going to be outcome first not project first and once you change where you start from there's a cascading effect of everything else that that follows behind. Now, obviously, uh, we have to have the right people, and this goes back to my um, constraining factors. If IT wants to do this but finance is not on board, then we're going to have trouble because we're going to then, finance is going to want their, uh, their projects and their project plans, and so IT is going to have this push and pull of, uh, we want to do it this way, finance wants to do it this way, so we'll try and wrap no projects inside a project. Or we're going to try and wrap agile inside a waterfall project management plan. The same sort of dichotomies always occur. All right? So we still need to make sure that there is a which constraining factor is most constraining right now and what can we do about it. And if it's finance then we need to change the way the finance is thinking. But as far as the leadership is concerned, all right, we if they recognise there's a problem, we can give them a way of changing, without losing face. If they don't recognise there's a problem, but other people around them do, once again, we can give them a mechanism to uh, to push improvement without making someone else a failure. And we do want to, to we we want to make it safe to fail, but a 10 million dollar project is by definition not safe to fail. You might fail a sprint, you might fail a feature, but you can't fail the project. So we do make it safe to fail by there is no project. There is a funding stream, there is a value stream, there is a a flow of work and you could fail any given point of work and because we're always inspecting and adapting not against a product, not against uh, a set of requirements, but against a business outcome we have that ability to adapt to the business outcome.
0: Agile in IT is, is a fairly mature concept. And is is this still something that we're trying to figure out in the rest of the organization? Or are there companies that have are excelling at this and, and are leading the way?
1: Oh, there are definitely companies which are selling at this. Um, and uh, you might use the term no projects, but a lot of these concepts have been uh a, are being used in other terminologies and other domains and have been for 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 a decade or two. Um, there are elements of this this sort of value stream funding model coming out of beyond budgeting. Um, the concepts of holocracy and self management um, and teal organisations, which have been around for ten plus years, are uh, look at the elements of uh, teaming and the elements of uh, accountability um, to outcome rather than to output so a lot of these in fact in fact I would say all of these elements have been proven in different industries in different countries in 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 different organizations and 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 it's sad to say but there's almost nothing new under the sun uh, we have so many we have tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of organizations around the world who are being agile at an organizational level they might call it business agility they might call it no projects they might call it something else entirely Um, they may not even know what it is but it's just how they work and so these organizations are constantly pushing the bounds of uh, operating models for organizations and startups lean startups another case in that what we're trying to do I think is at this point in time, at this juncture in history, we have so many different and distinct ideas about business agility that I think we're now starting to get a consolidation. We're starting to get these ideas start to come together, look at each other and go, oh, that's a good idea and this is a good idea. And I'll start to take some of them and sort of bring them together. So. We're never gonna get one definition of business agility but we are going to see in the same way in the agile wars back 20 years ago, we will see a consolidation of agile frameworks into a couple of major ones um, that when people think agile, that's what they think. I think we'll see the same emerge in the next five to 10 years around business agility where there will be a couple of business agility processes and practices and frameworks that will come together and when people think business agility, they'll think about those.
2: Is that a desirable thing um, and I'll go back to the I, I suppose what really resonated to myself when I when I first got introduced to agile and agile ideas it was this uh, coming from the project management background it was this democratization this uh, this idea that the way we work is not necessarily the realm of uh, of experts and ivory tower methodologists but but this is something that is tangible we can understand and we can it's not a solved problem we can innovate on this daily as part of doing our jobs and that was a very powerful message for me personally is that does it does, does this coalescing okay go ahead
1: there's there's three sides to this there is in the first instance there is the implementation of an idea and the implementation of business agility in every organization is going to be unique, no matter how much consolidation occurs. The implementation of Scrum in every organization is unique. Like, if Scrum was the answer, we would never have a retrospective. We would never need to improve, because what would we change? The whole point of agile and retrospectives and continuous improvements and Kaizen is such that we recognize that the team and the implementation of agility is something that we work at week by week, iteration by iteration. So uh, whilst when you think about Agile, most people will start by thinking Scrum, right? The implementation is unique. Second point, when when you're selling an idea to somebody who isn't in the community, someone from the outside who you want to bring into the community when you're selling the idea of of agile you don't start by giving them the hundred thousand options which are available to them you say go read the scrum guide or go read the Wikipedia page on on agile um, or have a look at the uh, at the book on Kanban we don't give them every option we give them narrow it down and say this is the synthesis of what it means to be agile by the way as you get more mature Right? There are a lot more options open to you, but if I'm talking to a, to, to a CEO or a CIO of an organization saying you should consider adopting an agile approach and they go, can you describe agile to me or how, or how we would do that? I don't describe agility in all its forms. I will generally start with Scrum or Kanban because it is accessible. It gives them something to anchor onto so that when they talk to their peers and their colleagues, when they look online, there's a common thread in what is being said. And so part of agile success is the success of the consolidation of agility into a few very clear, effective ways of working. Now, not everyone likes Scrum, not everyone likes Kanban, but that's fine. We have alternatives. But you cannot deny the 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 success of agile and its proliferation of organizations all around the world adopting agile mindsets and agile ways of working is in large part because of this consolidation and my third point um, is once you've sold an idea, an organization matures it goes. Shu, ha, ri, if you understand that model. And mm-hmm. yep. at the level of Shu, at the, at the, when you're beginning, you need something tangible. You need something that is simple and that consolidation gives you that. We don't have to give you a menu. Like when you walk into a, a restaurant and you have 10,000 choices, how long does it take you to pick what you want? If you walk into a restaurant and you get three choices, it's easy to pick the one that you're, go, you're going to have. It, it, it's the uh, it, it's the, uh, the there's a name for it some sort of choice theory.
2: I've got a I've got a simple solution to this problem. I just order whatever Chris is ordering.
1: <laughs> well, that, that's
0: that's that's Sean's theory of decision making. He only has so many decisions he's allowed to make in a in a given lifetime. So I'm going, I'm going to spend my to... decision making wisely. Yeah, there's. There's if a, if that to
1: let me take you to the Philippines, and I'll order for you, and you will regret making that decision. Well,
0: well, well
2: as, as you know, Evan, everything is context dependent.
0: <laughs> no, when we're in India, we're gonna be we're gonna go to a Filipino restaurant in India. Evan's gonna be ordering.
1: So, <laughs> a Filipino restaurants in India. Anyway, sorry. Um, but the, but the third point: once you get to the level of re, or at least once you get to a level of maturity in your organization, you are fully able to. Um, move away from that consolidation and pick. All right? And so agile organizations who, who are mature, they will pick any combination of XP, FTD, TDD, DSDM, whatever you want, they'll go, oh, we'll take a bit from here and a bit from here because they have the maturity to know the goal is agility, not agile. And likewise, mm-hmm. in the business agility context, as organizations become more mature, they're going to have the ability to pick because they know what is important rather than the method itself. But when you're starting out, that's very hard to do.
0: Yeah, and it, it, when, if you go back though to what you are saying about it needing to be in the DNA, and, and I think that's, that's, the, that's Re. You, you've, you've injected this, these principles and mindset into the way you think and the way you work. Um, of course, we've seen organizations just, I guess, adopt Scrum into their work you know the agile coach comes in they, te- they come in a two-day session here's how you do scrum you're a scrum master now you're a product owner and then they leave and then there's no deeper evolution of the ideas uh, and is there is there that risk i, I guess still do we how, how do we how do we fundamentally change the dna of organizations beyond just uh putting a new process in place does
2: now now what i'm wondering is does the shuha remodel which i mean if we're using the metaphor let's let's appreciate where the metaphor came from from martial arts right so it's and it's a person on a personal journey of mastery over a craft um and I, I wonder how applicable it is at an organization. Can you can you look at it as a whole organization as, in a state of shuhari when really you've got a collection of individuals at different levels and it's, it's shifting over time and they're all on their own personal journeys? Uh, is that a, a, a effective model for describing an organization?
1: Does it apply? It's highly simplistic. And organizations... It's hard to measure an entire organization because uh, there may be divisions which are shoe and divisions which are re. there may be uh, cultural barriers and so forth but as a simplistic model, it's a good simplistic model because it, it gives you not only a, a sense of where you are but a sense of where you can go and when we talk about maturity, it's such a general term that it, it could mean anything. Um, but, and, but it could mean anything, but individuals in an organization will, it's something to be striven for, it's something to aim for. And so as a model, it gives you today and potentially the future. Um, is it the right model? Maybe, is it the only model? Definitely not, but it's a simple metaphor to describe a path an organization takes. However, all right, having said that, there is a, there is a journey that organizations and teams within organizations do go on. However, we describe that journey, right? Um, it, it does follow a path of I need to learn to I'm going to be, doing versus being. And when organizations don't think of it as a journey, they think of it as a step where they go, we're gonna bring the, 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 the training company in, they're gonna give us two days, we're all gonna be certified scrum masters because that's all it takes to become a master. Sorry, cynicism, apologies. Um, I'll have my two day course, I'll have my certification, we're agile, full stop, done. Now, that's not a journey, that's a single step. And organizations that don't think beyond that single step, they're the ones who are going to fail because once again, Uh, it doesn't matter how agile one person is or in fact even one team is if the organization is not on that path you're always going to find yourself constrained and people talk about bimodal IT now I think bimodal IT and this is my personal opinion is the biggest cop-out ever bimodal IT is an organization saying we do not have the guts or the ability to be agile. All right, so we're going to have an agile part, which is the easy agile part, the digital team, let's say, and we're going to have the non-agile part, the hard part, the bit that we're going to struggle to be agile. But we're not going to even try. We're just going to, we're going to call it, we're going to give it a name, bimodal IT or two speed IT. And these guys can be as waterfall as they like. Now, we've done agile in mainframe. We've done agile in infrastructure We've done Agile in every single traditional waterfall space and successfully. It comes down to Agile works where there is ambiguity and where there is a level of uncertainty and chaos. You go down a waterfall path if something is highly predictable. If you know with a high degree of certainty that what you plan and what you execute will not change. But the minute you have users involved, the minute you have customers involved, something is going to change. Right? It's very rare for that to be the case. So yeah. the sin of bimodal IT, or the curse of two-speed IT, is such that it makes it gives people an out. It allows them to give up halfway through this journey, right? which is why I really don't like the idea of two-speed IT. Putting that aside, uh, these journeys that organizations are on, that is what's important, whether you call it shuhari, Or whether you call it something else or whether you just have it as some sort of abstract continuous improvement a retrospective kaizen slow continuous improvement that is the journey that is important
0: well thanks evan i I really appreciate you spending the time with us today uh i look forward to seeing you in india i hope to hunt down a filipino restaurant with you in india and, and force some uh uh Sean, to experiment with some food. Well, I think the rule is that uh, whoever picks the food has to go first eating the food. Okay. Yeah, that's the... <laughs> um, do you uh, Do you
1: have anything coming up uh, that you want to talk about? Uh, so, I suppose two, two things. I'll be doing two talks in, um, uh, in Agile India, both on business agility. Uh, one on the outcome profile that I described before, and one on just... Um, on, on on business agility and how organizations can be more agile. There's also the Business Agility Conference in New York that we are putting on. Uh, Chris, you are helping me with this and many thanks for that. Um, that's going to be really exciting, which you can check out at businessagility 2017.com um, and you can see the great lineup of speakers we have there as well.
0: Yeah, it's excellent. I I'm I'm very interested to see how this uh, space of business agility continues to evolve and to see how these ideas uh, diverge and converge.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the fast evolving space and the one that needs to. So I'm I'm glad that these types of conferences, business agility conferences, are are coming up. You know, we, as as you say, we need to start getting through these impedance mismatches, and this is a whole of organization thing. So I'm glad we're having these conversations.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the Agile India podcast. This video is produced by Chris and Sean Agile. You can find us on Twitter at Chris Sean Agile and our website, www.chrisandshawnagile.com. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to see you next time.